You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. Jake McCandless, and today I'm going to be talking about an image that I believe if we burn into our minds, we can know the trajectory of events from now to the end of the age. One image, one image for our mind. If we can visualize this image, then we know the events that are going to occur. Yes, that easy. One image that can provide all of that. Hopefully you caught a previous episode that I did called an end-time image for the soul. And in that, I introduced this idea that there are two images that I believe if we can just get them down, then we would know not just the events at the end of the age, but the trajectory from now until then. Or I guess backwards from there to now, and then now to then. But anyway, so one image that we can know and know events that are going to happen at the end of the age and where things are going to go to get us there. I believe it's important to say that scripture gives us a lot about the end of the age. Now I know I'm talking to the choir. You're tuning into this because you believe scripture talks about the end of the age and gives us a lot of information, but that is not the consensus. I have rarely come across someone who has said, And the Bible is full of information about the end of the age. We can know with some certainty some things. No, I always hear the opposite. But there really is a lot of information. I think in four areas especially. First, in the rise and the rule of the Antichrist. I hope to do an episode on this, but I believe there is so much detail about where the Antichrist will come from, where his empire or nations will be, I believe we're given a lot of detail about the steps of his rise. And we're given details about how the rule will go down, how he will rule. In that same vein, we're also given a lot of information in the Bible about the nations at the end of the age. You know, we know about the Antichrist, the nations who are going to be with him. We have some ideas about others in relation to that, which leads to the third set of information that we have. And that is that we're told in detail what will happen with the nation of Israel because Israel is the center stage of the events that will unfold at the end of the age. So stretching throughout the Old Testament into the New, we have information again about the rise and the rule of the Antichrist, the nations at the end of the age, of course Israel, and then also I like to add in there the beginning of the birth pains. Those four sets of data gives us a lot, gives us enough to begin to create a picture of the events that are going to happen. But I believe there's one image, and that image is outlined in numerous passages. I want to look at five of them. As I read through these five passages, I want you to begin to picture the scene that's unfolding. Again, what is amazing to me, the same scene is described. In modern Bible prophecy, it is rare to find... This presented as a consensus statement that there's one narrative running throughout scripture of the end of the age, that the passages are talking about the same event that's rare. 
So before I tell you what that image is, I'm going to let these scriptures build it. Okay, so Zechariah 14, 1 through 4. A day of the Lord is coming, Jerusalem, when your possessions will be plundered and divided within your very walls. I will gather all the nations to Jerusalem to fight against it. The city will be captured, the houses ransacked, the women raped. Half of the city will go into exile, but the rest of the people will not be taken from the city. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as he fights on a day of battle. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west, forming a great valley with half of the mountain moving north and half moving south. To Jerusalem, to Israel, nations will come against it and fight. It's definitely speaking in terms of a battle, but it also opens the door for an ongoing campaign against Israel. But in this battle, the Lord goes out and fights against those nations and, of course, wins, and the Lord returns at this time. Again, I know if you're tracking with Bible prophecy, if you're here on this podcast, you know Scripture tells us what's going to happen. But just these four verses are jam-packed with information. Okay, so that's Zechariah. Let's go to Ezekiel 38. Of course, Ezekiel 38, 39, typically on the subheading, subtitle there, it'll talk about Gog and Magog War. And people seem to just lose their mind. And they put this battle or this war that takes place there, they'll put it at different times. Typically, those who are predominantly pre-trib like to put this as a battle early on into those final seven years or maybe before that. But I believe it's a good, safe, solid hermeneutic. If we assume the prophets are talking about, if they're talking about a future battle, that it's the same battle unless it's very clear it's not, right? Let's assume that these prophets are talking about the same thing, that they're all describing the same things at the end of the age. Let's assume that unless the scripture just screams out, hey, nope, this isn't it. Okay. A little bit of soapbox there. Okay, so we read that those four verses of Zechariah. Here we go, Ezekiel, several more verses, but beginning in verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, and the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal prophesies against him and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I'm against you, Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, and bring you out, your whole army, your horses, your horsemen fully armed, and a great horde with large and small shields. All of them brandishing their swords, Persia, Cush, and Put, will be with them, all with shields and helmets, also Gomer with all of its truth, Beth Togmar from the far north with all its troops, the many nations with you. Get ready, be prepared, you and all the hordes gathered about you, and take command of them. After many days you will be called to arms. In future years you will invade a land that has recovered from war, whose people were gathered from many nations to the mountains of Israel, which has long been desolate. They have been brought out from the nations, and now all them live in safety. You and all your troops and the many nations will go up with you, advancing like a storm, You will be like a cloud covering the land. I want to read a few more verses here. But did you catch some similarities here? So Zechariah, there are nations that will gather against Israel. 
culminated into a battle, and the Lord will come and he will fight for his people. Now it's interesting, this prophecy here in Ezekiel is speaking to Gog. Now it's definitely for another podcast, another episode, but I believe there's a solid scriptural case that Gog is the Antichrist. But let's just say there's this guy named Gog in a group of nations, many of them, and they're going to come against Israel. Similar story, right? Very similar to what we saw in Zechariah. Skip down to verse 18, verses 18 and 19. This is what will happen on that day. When Gog attacks the land of Israel, my hot anger will be aroused, declares the sovereign Lord. In my zeal and fiery wrath, I declare that at that time there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. Whoa, very similar to Zechariah, right? An earthquake splits the Mount of Olives. Let's jump to verse 21. And I will summon my sword against Gog on all my mountains, declares the sovereign Lord. Every man's sword will be against his brother. Okay. So here in these later verses, can you? there's so much here in Ezekiel 38 and 39, but just from what we read, we see this scenario that you have Israel being attacked, being surrounded by a group of nations led by a figure called here Gog. The Lord comes and fights. There is an earthquake, and the Lord, of course, wins. Okay, so Zechariah 14, Ezekiel 38. And this is a surprise one here, but Psalm chapter 2. Just the first two verses we read, Why do the nations conspire, and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up, and the rulers band together against the Lord. Okay, now, I don't think this passage is just talking about the end of the age, but rather it's a summary, really, of what's happening throughout history. But it culminates, and it's very similar to what we read in Zechariah 14, Ezekiel 38, right? Nations coming against the Lord. Okay, well, let's jump to the end of Scripture, to Revelation 16. Revelation 16, and, and beginning verse 12 the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings of the east. Then I saw three impure spirits that looked like frogs that came out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. They are demonic spirits. They perform signs, and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for battle on the great day of the God Almighty. Look, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains closed, so as not to go naked, shamefully exposed. Then they gathered the kings together to the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Okay, very similar to what we've read in Zechariah and Ezekiel and in Psalm. Nations gathered. This time it says that they're led by the beast, the false prophet, the dragon, here we read they gather at the place called Armageddon. There's debate over to exactly where are we talking about. Mostly we see it being put in the valley of a ghetto there in northern Israel. But we also have seen some like Michael Heiser who has argued uh, that this is meant to be Jerusalem. But still puts it in Israel. Still puts it 
paralleling Zechariah, Ezekiel, Psalm, right? We keep reading. Verse 17, The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne, saying, It is done. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since mankind has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake. The great city split into three parts. The cities of the nations collapsed, and God remembered Babylon the Great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. Every island fled away, and the mountains could not be found. From the sky, huge hailstones, each weighing about a hundred pounds, fell on people, and they cursed God and on account of the plague of hell, and because the plague was so terrible. Okay, here we go. We get that earthquake again. It talks about the great city, which we believe to be Jerusalem here. Uh, so earthquake happening in Jerusalem. Well, that's where the Mount of Olives is. So again, telling the same story. And if we went back to Zechariah, went back to Ezekiel, we're going to find something very similar to these huge hellstones uh, being cast down in, in God's judgment. Okay, one more passage, Revelation 19, beginning in verse 11. We read, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me a white, horse whose rider is called faithful and true with justice he judges and makes war his eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns he has a name written on him that no one knows but himself he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of god the armies of heaven were following him riding on white horses dressed in fine linen white and clean coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh is a name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Okay, so when the sky breaks open, Jesus returns. And we pick up in verse 19. And then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider. On the horse and his army. Again, pointing back to Psalm 2. Make war against the Lord's anointed. Verse 20. But the beast was captured. With it, the false prophet who had performed the signs on his behalf. With these signs, he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse, and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. Chapter 20, And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss, and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations any more until a thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. And I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So this is the moment. This is the moment that the age that we're in now ends. This is what everything's building to. And I think if we could take the image from these five passages, these five parallel passages, these five passages telling the same narrative, then we can have a great idea of what's going to happen from now until then.
and what we saw coming back over and over in these passages was the Antichrist. Later we read about the false prophet all somehow carrying out the work of Satan, leading armies against Israel, having them surrounded, having them on the ropes, and Jesus returning and winning the day and defeating the armies of the world, defeating the Antichrist, defeating the false prophet, defeating Satan. But if we could just freeze that moment, that image, Jerusalem surrounded by armies from around the world, on the ropes, it all looks like it's over for the nation of Israel. But the Lord steps in and rescues them with the return of Christ. That image, if we can burn that image in our mind, and it's fascinating, it's an image we see throughout Scripture. The first time we see it is in the reign of King Hezekiah. And the Assyrians have taken the northern ten tribes. Then they have a campaign against Judah. Take every city except Jerusalem. In the day of King Hezekiah, 185,000 Assyrian soldiers encircled the city after they had taken every city in the south. Hezekiah had done everything that he could to try to win. He tried making alliances with Egypt, with Babylon. He tried fortifying the city, strengthening the army, all these different things. But they were under siege, had no hope. But there that image was, right? Jerusalem surrounded by the Assyrian army. Hezekiah finally breaks down and prays, and that night the angel of the Lord comes and wipes them out. A very similar image of what we see at the end of the age. Jerusalem surrounded by the Assyrians. Fast forward a few years, we have the Babylonian army encircling Jerusalem again. This time, the Lord didn't rescue them. The city was ransacked, the temple destroyed, many carried away to captivity. Fast forward again in history, and we see the Roman Empire doing the same thing. So we have this image in history of the Assyrian army, the Babylonian army, and the Roman army encircling Jerusalem. It's like God's trying to give us a picture. This is what it's going to look like, but the army's going to be bigger. And believe it or not, the stakes are going to be higher. But it would be the Lord himself coming and rescuing his people. Again, the image that if we could burn in our minds, we can know what's going to happen and we know the things that have to happen to get there. The image is the armies assembled by the Antichrist encircling Jerusalem, the nation of Israel on the ropes, and Jesus stepping in and saving the day. So that's where things are going to build to. So how does that help us know the trajectory? Well, there has to be Jewish people in the land of Israel, in Jerusalem. 
you know, for us today, that doesn't seem that big a deal. If you go before 1948, it, it was a big deal. It's happened right before our eyes. I believe it points to there needing to be some type of Jewish sovereignty over Jerusalem. The Antichrist has to rise. The world has to turn against Israel and the Jewish people. Anti-Semitism has to rise. Armies have to align or be captured and brought under the rule of the Antichrist. So we can expect those things to be happening to build to this moment. So again, if we can take this image, burn it into our minds, I believe it helps us understand, big picture-wise, the events, the activities, the things that are building up to the end of the age. So please, burn this image in your mind. Let it help you know what's coming and know what has to happen to get there. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. 